Welcome to another week of Scriptures Revealed, and I am so excited about what we are learning, what we are discovering, what is being revealed to us as we walk through the Scriptures. It is powerful because the Word of the Lord has the power to change our minds, transform our lives, and alter our behaviors. All and all we have to do is receive the Word with meekness. That's what the Apostle James said in his book, that if you want the Word of God to change and transform your life, then all you have to do is allow that word to be received in your heart with meekness, which means you've got to humbly receive it. You've got to receive it with the uh, thought process in mind that I am receiving the word to be changed by it. I'm listening to the word to be altered by it. I'm listening to the word to be transformed by it. And that is exactly what we are learning and discovering as we are walking through the book of Ephesians. It is exciting. It is my delight. It is it is my pleasure. I'm almost like David in the book of Psalms when he says, you know, it is the word of the Lord is my delight. Your precepts are my pleasure. That your word is like honey from the honeycomb. That is what the word of the Lord is like because it is so full of power. Now, we have so much to cover today and we're all going to be covering it in the same verse we covered last week. We covered uh, chapter 2 verse 19 last week and we're going back into that verse to show you another side of that and then we are going to just move full force ahead but I have a lot I want to walk you through. I have some uh, religious sacred cows I'm probably going to blow up today. I have some religious whitewashed walls I'm probably going to blow down today but is all going to be in alignment with the word of God because I believe that change is hard and change is impossible without sound doctrine. I'm going to say that to you again. Real change and real transformation is impossible without sound doctrine because it is the word of the Lord that helps you maintain your emancipation from Egypt, your emancipation from bondage, and your liberation from captivity. It is the word of the Lord. Now, the spirit of God will come in and do a mighty work and will set you completely free. The spirit of God can do that in your home, in a service, in your car, on your job. The spirit of the Lord is a liberating force. But after the Spirit of God has accomplished its feat, it then takes the Word of the Lord to anchor you and cause you to develop a root system in your soul so that you are rooted and grounded, not in an experience, but you are rooted and grounded in the logic of God. Because anybody that does not find their roots in the mind of God is going to ultimately find their life in shambles. You're going to find your life moving over into all types of spiritual activity and all spiritual activity is not God activity. So we've got to root and ground our lives in the word of the Lord. So in light of that, let's go back into Ephesians chapter two. And uh, we were talking last week about aliens and strangers and how we have been brought near and the Lord has brought us close and the Lord has brought us uh, into close fellowship with him and that we're no longer enemies of the state. We're not enemies of God. We have been reconciled and we are friends of God. And I want to refresh your memory about the strangers and the aliens. Aliens, because the Bible says 
in verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Now therefore, and I'm reading King James this week, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. What I want to draw your attention to this week is going to be on the household of God. But in light of last week, we talked about how you were no more strangers and foreigners and how the the distinguishing factor between the strangers and the foreigners and those who were natural born citizens of the nation of Israel was that the strangers and foreigners, they had access to the blessings of God. They had access to the festivals. They had to pay tithes. They gave God offerings. They knew how to build altars and all of that. But they did not have legal rights to the land. Now, the Israelites were commanded to be kind to the foreigners. They were commanded to be uh, generous to the strangers and to let them live there and to let them be a part of it. But the promised land was given to the nation of Israel. And it is the same in the new covenant that you that God would allow the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He would allow anybody to be blessed by him. If you put into practice the principles of God, you're going to receive the benefits of those principles. There are a countless amount of people who are billionaires and millionaires millionaires and wealthy men and women who will teach to you the principle of giving and teach to you even the principle of tithing because the principle works regardless of who is working it. They will teach you that and gain the benefits of it. But the difference between the ungodly and the godly is that the godly has legal rights to the land. And we learned that under the new covenant, our promised land is the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? According to Paul, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and and joy in the Holy Ghost. You have a right to be righteous. You have a right to live in peace and you have a right to the joy of the Holy Ghost. And so there is no reason for you to be disturbed and uh, and incomplete. There's no reason for you to be full of depression and discouragement. And there is no reason for you not to be able to live up to the standard of God for your life because you have legal rights to the kingdom. That's why Jesus said, you know, the father, it is the good, the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's what he wants to give you your promised land. So we learned that and unlocked all of that last week. But what I want to draw your attention to this week is the latter part of this verse. It says, now, therefore, verse 19, now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. What I want to draw your attention to is that the Bible says not only are we fellow citizens with the saints, but the Bible says that we are now of the household of God. Now, let me make this help you make sense of this. We are of the household of God. When we talk about the household of something, we're talking about the literal household and we're talking about the family, the family. That's why in the Old Testament, when Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, Joshua wasn't talking about a literal house or a literal building. What he was talking about was as for me and my family, we are going to serve the Lord. But the family lives inside of a natural house. When you go over into the epistles and the Bible says that a, a man that tries to rule in the house of God or a man that tries to rule in the, in the church, but does not uh, take care of the widows and does not take care of his own household is worse than an infidel. That word household again is family. We're talking about family and the, the, the people that live in your literal house, the family, the family you 
unit. And, and over in the book of Galatians, Paul says that we are to do good, especially to those who are of the household of faith, the household or the faith family, the faith family. Now, what I want to draw your attention to, and I believe this is going to enlighten your eyes, it's going to bless you, it is going to be full of revelation, is that I want to show you the household of God. I want to show it to you very plain, very clearly, and so that you can be encouraged and rejoice over something else Jesus Christ has done for you. So let's let's go on this journey. We're talking about the household of God, that God has made us a part of his household. We learned uh, in chapter one about the royal family, that the whole point of the gospel was to make us a part of the royal family. Now we're talking about God's actual house, and we have been made a part of God's actual household. And then Paul goes on and tells us how this house was built, and we're going to get into that next week. But I want to draw your attention to that. So let's find out what the household of God or God's house looks like, and what does God's house have to do with you, all right? So let's go over to the book of Exodus. Let's go over to the book of Exodus. I want you to see something here. Let's go to Exodus 25. Let's go over to Exodus 25 and verse 1. But before we go there, let me give you a backdrop. Uh, Moses has been commissioned to deliver a nation out of Egypt, deliver them out of captivity. He has brought them into the wilderness under the instruction of the Lord. And the Bible says that God wanted them delivered in order to worship him. Now, I'm not going to go off on a tangent on that, but that is revelatory and all by itself. That the whole point of their deliverance was not to get mansions. It was not to uh, be lavish. It was not to have everything they ever dreamed and wanted. The point of their deliverance was not for them. The point of their deliverance was to worship God, which means you will never understand true worship as long as you live in captivity. So uh, Moses has delivered a people out of Egypt, brought them into the wilderness by the word of the Lord in order so that they would have the opportunity and the possibility to worship the Lord. They are in the wilderness at this point. Moses has brought them as far as he knows how to bring them, and now he needs further instructions from the Lord. And so uh, Moses goes up on onto uh, Mount Sinai, the glory of God descends, and, and uh, the elders are there, the nation is there, and then Moses goes into the glory of the Lord. He goes into the cloud of God's glory, and God begins to talk to him, and that's where we find ourselves in chapter 25. So chapter 25 verse 1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that gives it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. And then God goes down a list of the things that he wants of them because this you got to understand something about offerings. Offerings are dictated by the God you are giving it to. Say that to you again. Offerings are dictated by the God you are giving it to. An offering is not an offering because it's, it's something that you made up in your own mind and your own heart. Now, granted, God said, I want them to give this offering and I want it to be given willingly. I want them to want to give it, but I'm going to tell them what to give. So as, until you are giving God what he wants, it's not an offering. 
<laughs> if God is saying give your time and you give money, then you have not given an offering to God. What you've done is you've given an offer offering on the altar of another idol because you are not listening to God because offerings are not offerings. Uh, if, they, if they're dictated by you, the offering has to be dictated by the God you're giving it to. So if you don't, so disobedience, this is why disobedience is rebellion and it's witchcraft and it's idolatry. Because when you disobey and you are in rebellion, you are giving an offering on the altar to another God. It's not going to God because obedience must be, is, is the ingredient involved in giving an offering here. So God gives them the offering. And then he says, this is what I want you to bring me. And then out of that offering, I want you to go down to verse eight. It says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell amongst them. Let them make me a sanctuary. So let me give you understanding here. This is what is going on. Moses goes into the glory of the Lord and he hears from God. So that's another thing. You have not encountered the glory of God if you didn't leave the glory with instructions. But that's that's for free. So Moses goes into the glory of God. He gets instructions from God. And this is what God tells him. I want you to go and take an offering from the people. When you get the offering from the people, I want you to use the offering they give. Give me and I want them to make me a sanctuary. I want them to make me a dwelling place. And you know what the actual translation of the word sanctuary is? It means tabernacle. It means temple. And it means I want I want them to make me a palace. I want them to make me a palace on the earth so that I can dwell among them. Because what happened is that God had not been dwelling among men since the Garden of Eden. He had been speaking to them. He had been visiting them. He had been encountering them. They had built altars to him. But God did not have a dwelling place in the earth since the fall of man. So God says, hey, I want them to give me an offering now because they have come out of captivity. They have come out of bondage. Now I want them to give of themselves. So watch this. The dwelling place of God or the household of God. Because this is what God said. I want them to make me a house or I want them to make me a palace. I want them to make me a palace, but I want the materials for the palace to be an offering. But I want the blueprint for the palace to come from me. Why do I say that? Because we look at verse nine, it says, I want them to verse eight and let them make me a sanctuary or a palace that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof. Even so shall ye make it. Watch this. So God is saying, hey, I want them to make me a palace. But Moses, I want you all to make it according to the pattern that I am showing you. Watch this. So apparently God already had a house. Please pay attention to this. Everything is going is tied and connected together. God already had a house. What God was instructing Moses to do is I want you to take an offering from the people and I want them to build me a palace like the palace I'm showing you right now on the mountain. That's what God is saying. So everything that Moses came down, the Ark of the Covenant, the curtains, the fine linen, the, the, uh, the, um, table of showbread, the menorah, the uh, brazen altar, the brazen laver, the altar of incense. Moses did not make these things up on his own. According to the Bible, Moses got this 
after having a visitation and being shown God's palace in heaven. Moses was shown God's palace, God's sanctuary in heaven. And then Moses was charged to take an offering from the people, use their offering and replicate my palace on the earth. Why? I don't want a palace on the earth just so I can have one. But if I have a palace on the earth, it's so that I can dwell among them. It's so that I can make my abode, in other words. I keep in mind that phrase. God wanted to make his abode among his people. But in order to do that, he needed the type of palace he had in heaven. He needed it replicated in the earth. Okay. How do I know that? Let's go over to the book of Hebrews. Let's go over to the book of Hebrews. And I want us to look at chapter eight, chapter eight of the book of Hebrews. Chapter 8 of the book of Hebrews. And watch this. It says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the psalm. In other words, he says, Let's, let, I want to summarize everything I've just been talking about in the previous chapters. And it says, We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Who's the high priest? Jesus Christ. Verse 2. A minister of the what? A minister of the sanctuary. And of the true tabernacle. Watch this. This is God's palace. This is a minister of the palace of God. Of the true tabernacle. Watch this. Which the Lord pitched and not man. Watch this. The writer of Hebrews has given us insight again. That the tabernacle did not start in the wilderness with Moses. The temple did not start with David David wanting to build God a house. The temple didn't start when David had to pass that vision and that dream on to Solomon and we have Solomon's temple. The the tabernacle and the temple did not start there with the nation of Israel. But the house of God started in heaven. And who made the palace in heaven? According to Hebrews, it says that the Lord pitched the tent. The Lord set up his house in heaven. And so Moses had a visitation, drawing it back to you again. Moses had a visitation on Mount Sinai where God gave him a vision of his palace in heaven. And then Moses was to replicate on the earth what he had seen in heaven. Now, the question becomes, what did Moses see in heaven? I know if you put it in our language, we say, oh, Moses saw the Ark of the Covenant. No, the Ark of the Covenant represented what Moses saw. He said, oh, Moses saw the brazen altar. No, the brazen altar represented what Moses saw. Oh, he said, oh, no, Mo- Moses saw the, the, um, the, the menorah where the, the candlestick where the lights didn't just, the, the lights were always burning. And then we get over to Revelation and John sees it. John goes and has a visitation because the book of Revelation is not about the end times. The book of Revelation, according to the actual verse, the very first verse in that book says that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So unless you read the book of Revelation to have Jesus Christ revealed to you, you're going to misinterpret, misapply, and misappropriate what is being revealed. So the, but in the book of Revelation, Revelation, John has a revelation of Jesus and the Bible says that he is standing in the midst of the candlestick. He is standing in the midst of the churches. So I says Jesus is standing in the house of God 
And John's only way to interpret it is it looks like candlesticks. He's standing in the middle of the candlestick. And, and John sees an altar of incense, but he's trying to communicate to us this same vision that Moses had over in the book of Exodus. And both of them are having visions of the house of God. Okay, of the house of God. Now let's go over to John 14. Because remember, Paul said in Ephesians 2 that we have been made of the household of God. Okay, of the household of God. Look at this. Jesus is having a moment with his disciples. He's teaching them. He's enlightening them. And let's look at this. John 14, uh, because I'm going to show you something different here. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. First of all, I want you to pay attention to this. Jesus is saying, don't be, don't let your heart be troubled because, uh, Jesus just told them that he was going to have to leave them. In other words, uh, he's, he's wrapping up his life, earthly ministry and he's telling them I'm going away. And he said, but don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Watch this verse two in my father's house. Who are we? We are of the household of God. Pay attention to that. Paul says, we now, right now, are of the household of God. Look at verse 2. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, ye know, and the way you know. And then Thomas goes and says, well, we don't know the way. We don't know where you're going, first of all. So how in the world are we going to know the way? And Jesus says, well, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. So not only are you going to know where I'm going, but you're going to know how to get there because I'm the way. What is Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, I am the way to the household of God. Please pay attention. That's that's what Jesus just said here. He said, Thomas is asking, I don't know where you're going. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to my father's house. And Thomas says, well, I don't know how we're going to get there. And Jesus says, you're going to get there by me because I am going to my father's house. And I am the way that you all are going to get to my father's house. Now, watch this. Back in verse two, it says that in my father's house, there are many mansions. That is a very, very, very horrible translation of that word. King James did a horrible job. I thank God for King James because I thank God that somebody was translating the scriptures so that we could apply them. But King James did a horrible job in translating that word mansion. And I know we built the whole theology on that. There are mansions in heaven and we all going to get our mansion. And if, hey, you go into heaven and you want a mansion I'll go for it believe that believe God for a mansion in heaven the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord that the Lord is will withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly so if you want a mansion in heaven and believe there are mansions there's a mansion in heaven for you absolutely go for it but to take this scripture out of context and build a whole mansion in heaven theology on it is wrong is wrong. Now, why is that? Because watch this. If you want to understand the Bible, you've got to interpret the Bible with the Bible. The quickest way to get over into error, to get over into heresy, to get over into bad doctrine and wrong theology is to interpret the Bible with your tradition, to interpret the Bible with your religious lens, 
to interpret the Bible with your denomination, to interpret the Bible with your life experiences. You are going to open yourself up to the spirit of error. You must interpret the Bible with the Bible. All right. For instance, if I want to understand something about trees, I've got to understand that when the Bible always uses trees as an analogy for people. So when I see trees, I realize that he's talking about a people that I will make you a tree of righteousness. In other words, I make you a man of righteousness. You shall be like a tree planted by the waters. You are going to be a person planted by the water, by the, by the waters of, of salvation and my spirit. And that my spirit is going to always supply you with what you need to be prosperous. See, you see that interpretation of the scripture? That, that was free, but that, but you've got to use the Bible to interpret the Bible. In order to get an understanding of it. Now, when you talk about my father's house, number one, I'm going to give you what that word mansions really is. It's going to bless you. So when you talk about my father's house, you, we cannot make up what that interpretation is. For years, we have turned verse two of chapter 14 of John that my father's house is heaven. Nowhere else in the scriptures was my father's house synonymous with heaven. Nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Whenever you talked about the house of God from Genesis to Revelation, the house of God was always the sanctuary. It was always the tabernacle. It was always the temple. Or in other words, it was always God's palace. It always was. It all, my father, the house of God. How do I know that? Do you remember the story when Jesus goes and he throws the money changers out the temple? Out the tabernacle. What does he say? Is that you guys have made my father's house a den of thieves. Jesus gave us insight into what my father's house was. It was the temple. It was a tabernacle. But the issue here is that Jesus was not talking about the tabernacle on the earth. He was talking about the tabernacle or the temple or the palace that the Lord pitched in heaven. So the temple, the temple Jesus is talking about is in heaven, but heaven itself isn't the temple. The temple is in heaven. That's why Moses had a visitation. He got, took him to heaven to look at the tabernacle, to look at the palace, to look at the temple, and then come down with the blueprint. So watch this. Jesus said, in my father's house or in my father's tabernacle, in my father's temple, in my father's sanctuary, in my father's house, the one that he pitched, there are many mansions. Now, how we just accepted this, because even thinking about that logically, if we're talking about the father's house, there are many mansions. That that sentence alone does not even make sense if we make that word mansions. A mansion is a house. A mansion is not separate. A mansion is a house. So to say that there are many mansions in the house just does not even make logical sense. So that's not what the word is. What the word actually translates is in my father's house are many individual dwelling places. Oh, this is about to get good. It's about to get good. (laughs) In my father's house, there are many individual dwelling places. All right. So we got here is that in my father's house, there are many individual dwelling places. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to go to my father's house. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm getting ready to die on the cross. And I'm not just going to go to hell to suffer for you, but I've got to go back to heaven. And so that I can get to my father's palace and prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. 
And then after I prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and bring you into that place. Now, again, we've made this about the second coming and it's not about the second coming. This scripture is about Jesus going is dying on the cross, being buried and ascending to heaven and preparing a place for you in the household of God. Once he prepares a place for you and the household of God, he comes back. <laughs> he comes back and draws you into himself and place and makes you a part of the household of God. How do I know that to be true? Jump all the way down to verse 23 of John chapter 14. And 23 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him and make our abode with him. Remember I said to remember that word abode. Why did God want a sanctuary on the earth? Why did God want a temple and a palace on the earth? It is because he wanted a place to make his abode to dwell with his people. All right. To dwell with his people. Remember, I said, what was it that Moses saw in heaven that he identified that this is God's palace? What did he see? Let's go over to the book of Revelation. Let's go to Revelation. Revelation 21. Come on. I'm almost out of time and I got a little bit more I want to get to you. So, because we're talking about, Paul says that we have been made of the household of God. Jesus said that I was going to my father's house to prepare a place for you in the household of God. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you in the household of God. And then I'm going to come back and draw you to myself. Or I'm going to come back and make you a part of the nation of Jesus Christ so that you would be a part of the household of God. But what I'm trying to wrap my mind around and what I want you all to wrap your mind around is what is the household of God? What is the palace of God? What was it that Moses saw on Mount Sinai? And what was it that John saw, John the Revelator saw on the Isle of Patmos when he saw the temple in heaven? What did he see? Revelation 21. Revelation 21 and verse 22. It says, And I saw no temple therein. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The writer of Hebrews says, that Jesus is the minister of this temple. He's the minister of this sanctuary. Exodus says that Moses saw a temple and a tabernacle uh, because that is exactly how he patterned the tabernacle in the wilderness. It was patterned after what he saw in heaven. It was patterned after God's palace in heaven. John the Revelator is having a revelation he's taken to heaven. And John says, I didn't see a temple there. I didn't see it. But what did he see? He says, and I saw no temple therein for the Lord God almighty and the lamb are the temple of it. Wait a minute. John said, I was taken to heaven and I saw God's house. (laughs) I was taken to heaven and I saw God's palace. And the odd thing was there really wasn't a temple there. There really wasn't a tabernacle there because the house of God, the palace of God was God himself and the palace of God was the lamb. 
So for the lamb, the palace was God Almighty. For God Almighty, the palace was the lamb. All right, all right I'm going to make that make sense. Go back over to the Gospel of John. Look at chapter 1. Look at chapter 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. And I want us to look at verse 14. It says, and the word was made flesh. Who is the word? Jesus. So the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That phrase dwelt among us. Remember I said God wants a palace on the earth so that he can dwell among us. That word dwelt among us means he tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. So when Jesus came to earth, Jesus came to earth and tabernacled among us. Who was Jesus? Jesus was the tabernacle of God. When Moses was on Mount Sinai, what he had a revelation of, what he saw was Jesus. And and when God said, I want you to build me a tabernacle, I want you to build me a palace, I want you to build me a house on the earth, God said, but I want you to build this house, but I want you to pattern, pattern it after Jesus. So yes, give me a brazen altar, because when you look at the lamb, he is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Give me a brazen laver because he is the one that's going to wash his bride with the washing of the water of his word. Give me an altar of incense because Jesus is the one that is in the heavens who is eternally interceding for us uh, because he is the altar of incense. Give me a table of showbread because Jesus is the bread of life that has come down from heaven. Give me the, the ark of the covenant because Jesus is the one that, that is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He carries the glory of God and and it is give me make me a mercy seat because Jesus is where all of humanity meets the mercy of God and Jesus is where all of humanity will meet God and be reconciled to him Jesus is heaven's tabernacle Jesus is the palace of God so let me make sense of this for you and then I'm out of time going back to John 14 says, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. What was Jesus saying? Remember Jesus told a parable that unless a seed dies in the ground, (laughs) unless that seed die in the ground, it will not come alive again and bear fruit. But when it dies, it's going to come back in a different form. That is why, watch, and Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. I'm going to make room for you in me, in me. That is why when you get born again, the whole thing and the whole idea is that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You are in Christ, God, which means Jesus went to prepare a place for you in him. You have been made of the household of God. Jesus is the God's palace. Jesus is the is the palace of God. He's the temple of God. So now I am a temple of God because I'm in Christ. I am the palace of God because I'm in Christ. I am of the household of God because I am in Christ. So Jesus, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Yep, I sure am. I'm going to die so that I can make room for you in me. (laughs) I'm going to make room for you in me. And when I come back, there's going to be room for you. When I am raised from the dead, there's going to be room for you in God's house because I am the temple of God. I am the palace of God. Now let's close back in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. He says, now therefore, you're no more strangers. (laughs) You're not foreigners. 
but you are fellow citizens with the saints and you are of the household of God. That is why we're called the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ because we have been grafted into Christ. We have been placed in Christ. We have been placed in the household of God, in the temple of God, in the sanctuary of God. Or in other words, we have been placed inside of God's palace. So not only are we in the palace of God, but now we are God's palace. God resides in us and we reside in him. We are of the household hold of God. Well, my friends, I hope that encouraged you, enlightened you, shared some revelation with you, and encouraged you to just fall more in love with Jesus. Jesus Christ, he he kept his word. He did what he said. He went to prepare a place for you, and where he prepared it was in himself, in God's palace, so that you could be in the palace, and the palace could be in you. I am so excited about the word of God because it can totally transform our lives. Please, please, please share this. Get the word out. Let somebody else be encouraged that God prepared a place that Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, prepared a place for them. And he wants them to take their place in him so that he can take his place in them. Oh, I am so excited about the word. Please share. Please invite people to listen to it and let their lives be changed. Don't forget to leave ratings for me on iTunes so that other lives can be blessed and other people can hear about it. Don't forget to go to my website and sign up on my mailing list at rickywatsonjr.com. I am sending out newsletters every week of words of encouragement to you for the week. And I'm also sending you out the graphics for the podcast so that you have that information to share with your followers and to share with your friends so that all of our lives can be transformed. Be encouraged this week. God has made a place for you and it is the safest place in the world. It is in the household of God. See you all same time, same place next week. God bless.